Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. Hoping or you living your life trying your best to earn his favor, to earn his righteousness. You're trying your best to trying your best to live a good life, hoping that it's good enough. When you only see him as savior and and lord, you think he's always there trying to condemn you. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Kingdom Rock, let's welcome our online community. Hello, online community. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you are. We appreciate you being a part of the service. Uh, I want to just remind you, don't forget to go to the website at kingdomrock.org, kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message and so much more. And while you're on the website, make sure that you click the give button and give into the ministry. A little bit goes a long way, and we thank you so much for your support. It's because of people like you uh, that we're able to be here today and continue to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you so much. All right. Well, we're going to continue. Well, I don't want to say continue in this series because we're a little bit further on now. I don't know if I want to title it. We're talking about law and grace. Let's just say it that way, Tamara. Can we do that? We're talking about law and grace. We're going to continue to talk about it until the Lord says something else. All right. And today I want to title this uh, message today, Forever Forgiven. Say with me. I am forever forgiven now this is something that you must understand that you must understand when we got to receive it this is the truth of the word of god this is what jesus has accomplished for us and let's go let's go to the book of acts acts the 13th chapter acts 13 acts 13 and let's look at verses 38 and 39 we were here last week acts 13 verse 38 and 39. This is what the apostles preached. It says here out of the King James Version, be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, through the name of Jesus, through Jesus is preached the forgiveness of sins. You are forgiven. Say, I am forgiven. Verse 39, and by him all that believe are justified, that is declared innocent, right? You are declared innocent or free from guilt. By him all that believe, does anybody believe in Jesus today? All right. All who believe, all that believe are justified from, from all things from which uh, ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now, again, you are forever forgiven. Now, to say that sounds great, doesn't it, that you are forever forgiven. And most Christians would agree that the blood of Jesus has washed my sins away. All my sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus. Most, most Christians would agree with that statement. But what a lot of Christians actually believe when, when the rubber meets the road, they actually really believe that Jesus has washed their past sins away, right? Uh, they came to the Lord and they asked the Lord Jesus to forgive them of their sins and they received him as their Lord and Savior and they believe that the Lord has washed their past sins away, which is true, right? And then from that moment forth, they believe that they receive forgiveness by and through their confession, when I ask God to forgive me, then he forgives me. But they do not, by and large, believe that uh, their future sins have been forgiven. Things they've not even committed yet. Now, that's what we're going to talk about today. How is that possible? Or is that biblical? That once Jesus shed his blood for you, that he could actually forgive you of all sins. When he says all, he means all. That he justified you from all things. When he says all, he means all, Shekinah, all. Past, present, and future. 
This is not a foreign concept. This is actually woven all throughout the word of God. Some of us are just a little bit slow catching on to it, but we're getting there in Jesus mighty name. So go on, go with me in this journey uh, to discover that. Now, again, the prevailing thought in most of Christendom is, well, Jesus, you did your part. Now it's up to me to try my best to stay out of sin. It's up to me now to work hard, to be really good, to be good, because I know that when I stay out of sin and when I try to be good, I know then that you will bless me, that you will favor me. As long as I try to stay out of sin and work really hard to be good, then I know you're going to bless me. That's your prevailing thought. And that thought is actually, it's really foolishness. Because actually what happens is that we start in the spirit, believing, believing in the spirit is believing. You believe that Jesus has done the work. And now we go right into works, trying to make sure that I'm doing everything right. Right? That's actually sort of straddling the fence, trying to mix law and grace, law and grace. And that's really the, that's really the exact sentiment that the Lord Jesus was talking about there in the book of Revelation as he talked about, I would that you were cold or hot because you were lukewarm. I will spew you out of my mouth. I wish that that you were cold, that that is, or hot or cold. I wish that you were on the side of grace fully. Or I wish that you were on the side of lawfully. If you're on the side of lawfully, then you will know that you have need of me. Because remember, the law reveals sin. It shows you that you have need of a savior. I would that you were all into me or all into law, fully into law, then you would turn to me. But because you are straddling the fence, you believe that some part is mine and some part is yours. Some part is mine, some part is yours. The Bible declares that to be foolishness. Foolishness. Now, Let's go to our board. <laughs> Say with me, I am forgiven. Go with me. You're forgiven of all sins. Now I'm going to show you this in the word of God. I'll show it to you. Uh, past. Present. And. And future. All right. Now, we don't have a problem considering our past and our present. It is the future that is in uh, contradiction with a lot of people. Now, I'm going to show you this. You're going to have to understand this so that you will be able to walk in true intimacy with God. Now, those who say, I believe that Jesus forgives me of my past sins, and from here on, I've got, to, I've got to ask Jesus to forgive me, ask God to forgive me, then I can be forgiven. But again, the flaw in that is this. They think that I can, I can only be forgiven when I ask God to forgive me. So the flaw in is that what if you died in the midst of sin and you didn't ask? Does that mean that when you stand before God, now I'm cast away because I, I didn't ask you because I died? Or maybe you did a sin and you forgot about it and you didn't ask God to forgive you. What does that mean? Are you didn't, do you die then and go to hell because you didn't ask God to forgive your sin? No, the Lord covered all of your sin. And we're going to go into this. But those who have an issue with future sins have an issue with, and I'm going to show you what this is in just a moment. This is so good. So please get this. They have an issue. Those who have issue with future sins or not believing that Jesus will cover all of sin have an issue with receiving the whole Jesus, the whole Jesus, who he really is. So they see Jesus as they see him as savior. They say, I don't have a problem with that. I receive him in his ministry as savior. He is a lamb of God who has come to take away my sins. No problem with that whatsoever. Then they see him as, as Lord, right? I see him as my Savior, 
and I see him as my Lord. Lord, someone who tells me what to do, who tells me when I'm doing right, tells me when I'm doing wrong. When I do something wrong, I know God's going to get me, right? They see him as one who takes away my sins, and they see him as Lord, and it really ends right there. But there are three more facets that you must be able to receive. You must be able to see him in. I'm going to keep this third one right now hidden just for a moment. You must also, let me bend down a little bit. You must also see Jesus as, here we go, excuse me. As what? As friend. And then ultimately as, as husband. Oh boy, you're looking at me strange now. Online community, boy, wish you were in this room. Seeing the Lord as friend and husband. Remember the Bible declares that uh, Jesus said, I, not, I no longer call you uh, servants, but I call you friends. He Flip the switch. That's a deeper level of intimacy. And then the Bible declares that we, the church, or part of the church anyway, are called the bride. Right? So if we are the bride, Jesus is husband. That talks about a deeper level of intimacy. Now, don't get caught up in the flesh and thinking about man or woman, thinking about gender roles. Uh, marriage, as it relates to Christ and his church, Christ and the bride, talks about a deeper level of intimacy, a oneness between you and God, where there is no hindrance, no barrier between the two of you. You are perfectly joined together as one. That's divine intimacy. So we see him, most people see him as Savior, Lord. He saved my soul. He tells them what to do, but they never get really truly to friend and husband they think they can go that way but there's one part missing in the middle of it and it's simply this you must see jesus also as somebody as high as high priest if you don't see him as high priest or receive him in his high priestly ministry you're gonna have a problem with friend and husband you're going to have a problem with true intimacy. Because if you only see Jesus as Savior and Lord, you're going to try to live your life. Hopefully, when I ask God to forgive me, I mean, this is really bad. Hopefully, he will forgive me. You're living your life hoping or you're living your life trying your best to earn his favor, to earn his righteousness. You're trying your best to, trying your best to live a good life, hoping that it's good enough. When you only see him as Savior and, and Lord, you think he's always there trying to condemn you, right? God is going to condemn me for this. Or really, the Spirit is going to convict me when I sin, which is something else altogether as well. Actually, the Holy Spirit does not convict the body of Christ for sin. The Bible says that the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin because they do not know Jesus. He's convicting the world of sin, showing them that Jesus is the Christ. But the church, the Holy Spirit does not convict. I challenge all of you to see if you can find that in the scripture. It, it's not there. The Holy Spirit convicts you of righteousness, not of sin. The church, he convicts of righteousness. That is, when you sin, he's not over here trying to beat you on the head. You know you ought to get that right. You know you ought to get that right. No, he's telling you, you are a child of God. You are the righteousness of God. The blood of Jesus has washed your sins away. You are the redeemed. You have been justified. He reminds you of who you are. Now, one of those ways is of the devil and one of those ways is of God. When you sin and fall short, it's the devil that comes on you with words of condemnation. It's the devil that is trying to beat you down. Oh, you shouldn't have done this. You are nobody. You ain't nothing. There's no point in you trying to pray. God's not going to hear you. That's the devil talking to you. But the spirit of God 
is wooing you back in his goodness. He's leading you back into repentance. He convicts you of your righteousness. Got me? If the Lord were, if you're standing in grace and the spirit is reminding you of law, that means he's leading you back right back under condemnation. You got what I'm saying to you? So we're going to have to see Jesus in his ministry of high priest. We're going to talk about that. If not today, then also next week. But you're going to have this ensures you the ministry of Jesus as high priest ensures you ensures you that all sins have been washed away past, present and future. And when you know that you're squared away with God completely, when you know that you're perfectly reconciled with God completely, you don't have any problem being friend and going into intimacy with him as husband having nothing between you whatsoever nothing between you and God I mean nothing when he looks at you he sees nothing missing nothing broken he sees no sin no fault no guilt he sees you through Christ Jesus can you receive that Let's look at this. As we said before, this standing in the middle of the road where you're starting in the spirit, then you're moving in the flesh, trying to perfect yourself, trying to perfect your walk with Christ. It's foolishness. Let's go to Galatians. Galatians, the third chapter. Galatians, the third chapter. You see, as long as we're doing this back and forth type of thing, this back and forth, what you're actually doing is robbing yourself of having your best life now. This going back and forth between it's up to Jesus, now it's up to me, it's up to Jesus, now it's up to me. This sort of back and forth is like a ship that's being, uh, that's bound to the shore, that's anchored to the shore. It can't go any further. Or like a, like a hot air balloon, hot air balloon that has a, it's tied down with a sandbag. It cannot go any further. It can't go. But the good news is, April, the good news is that the Lord has destroyed that anchor and he has already cut that sandbag. And you're actually able to actually able to soar, to float now, to sail and to and to fly. He's done the work. He's done the work. Galatians, the third chapter, say with me, Galatians, the third chapter. Uh, look at three verse three through 11. It says, are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? That's exactly what that says. That going back and forth, you started in the spirit. In other words, you started your walk with Christ in faith, believing that Jesus would save your soul. And then we began to believe it's up to me now. I got to do my best to do good. Try to stay out of sin, try to stay out of trouble so God will like me, so he'll bless me. I got to try my best. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? He said, are you so foolish? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Verse 4, have you suffered so many things in vain if, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that, here's your proof, here there, he therefore that ministereth unto you the spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Is he, those, I mean, the person's really moving in the Holy Spirit, signs, wonders, and miracles. Is he doing it under grace or is he doing it under law? No, he's doing it under grace. By faith, he's in the spirit. So how in the world are you going to be perfected by keeping your focus on you? That's what law does, keeps your focus on you, on what you did right or what you did wrong. But in grace, your focus is entirely on Jesus. You're resting and trusting in him. It's like a man. Now, it's like a, a person who has a parachute. Now, I, 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 I pass out parachutes in here right now. Pass out parachutes. Some of you say, oh, well, I appreciate the parachute. You know, you may put it under your chair, whatever. But if I put you on a plane and you look out that window and there's smoke coming out of that, that wing, I guarantee you're going to hold on to that parachute for dear life. 
you're going to strap it on you nice and tight until you can't feel your arm. The circulation's going away. You're going to hold it on tight. That's how you need to trust in Jesus. You're going to hold on to him, depending on him for your soul salvation. Not depending on him, Lord, you saved me. Now it's up to me. Now you're back and forth. That's not depending on him. You're going to completely trust in him. This is a way of grace, walking by faith. You got me? And so it says again, uh, verse 5, He therefore that ministers unto you, um, ministers to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith this hearing of faith is hearing about what jesus has done uh, verse six even as abraham believed god and it was accounted to him for righteousness uh, verse seven know ye therefore that they which are of faith talking about grace the same are the children of abraham and the, the scripture uh, forcing that God would justify the heathen through what? Faith. Talking about grace, right? Believing in the finished works of Jesus. Uh, he would justify the heathen through faith. Preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith, talking about grace, talking about what Jesus has accomplished, right? So they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Verse 10, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. So if you're going to remain under law, there is a curse over your life. And so many Christians go from blessings under grace back to curse, from blessings to curse. And the enemy uses this thing called, he uses this thing called sin. He uses sin to try to, try to corral you uh, into submission. And we're going to talk about that. Verse 11 says, but that no man is justified by the law. Let's get it in our head. No man is justified by the law. You will not be justified or declared right in the sight of God because you do good things. You doing good things does not make you good in the sight of God. Let's get that down nice and tight. My goodness does not make me good. Goodness is something that God says you are. If the whole world, everybody on this planet says you're a good person, God says you're evil, you're going to hell. It doesn't matter. Good is what God says you are. And good happens in your life when you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Are you hearing? He says, but that no, no man is justified uh, in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith, not by the law. You're going to be live by believing in the finished works of Jesus. Now, some say, well, wait, 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 wait. I can get what you, I can get what you, Pastor, that Jesus did that. Yes. But don't you know the Bible says that faith without works is dead. So surely God wants me to put some works with my faith. Surely that's the word. Surely I have to work. Surely I have to work or my faith is dead, right? All right. Hey, I can go with that. But if you're working to earn your salvation, your faith is dead. Both will work. There are two people working on the food line. Two people working at the food in the food bank. One's working trying to do good things so that he can be right so that God would bless them. The other is working because they are right because they've already been blessed because they stand in righteousness. One is trying to earn it, earn the favor of God. And one is working because they have the favor of God. It's just like an apple tree. An apple tree produces fruit because it's an apple tree. 
It's his nature. Once you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, your nature changes. The true you changes on the inside and you want to do right. You're not doing right so that God will love you or bless you. You're doing right because he does love you. You've received this love and you've received this blessing and you want to return, uh, return the blessing, return it out of gratitude and love for him. You're compelled by the spirit to do good as Jesus was moved with compassion to heal the multitude. Your nature has changed on the inside. I'm no longer working to be saved. I'm working because I am saved. One, if you're working to be saved, you're constantly trying to earn it, hoping you did enough. The other, you're grateful and you're thankful. Now, both of those people are going to be sweating on a food line. And end of the day, their muscles are going to ache. Both of them are going to have aching muscles. But one will do it with joy. And the other with drudgery. Depends on which one you want. Are you hearing? Which life do you want? Now, here's another question as we uh, go on. Why do people need to be forgiven? Why do we need to be forgiven? Some simple answers here. Let me give you five reasons. Why do people need to be forgiven? Number one, so that they can be in right standing with God, first of all. We have to be forgiven so that we can live free. Freedom is in forgiveness. Thirdly, we have to be forgiven so that we can be assured of eternal life. Fourth, we have to be forgiven so that we can receive the blessings in favor of God right now. And last, we have to be forgiven so that the so that sin can be separated from us. Because of sin, we were separated from God. Then sin came on us in order for us to restore that fellowship with the father. Sin has to be removed. Sin has to be taken away. The dirt has to be cleaned off. You got what we're saying to you today? Now, John 8 verse 36. Hang with me now. John 8, verse 36 says, if the son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Free from what? Free from sin. Jesus, say with me, Jesus has made me free from sin. That means that he has forgiven you of past, present, and future sins. Now, let's talk just for a few moments as we begin to close out about the word condemnation. The word condemnation, you see this several times in scripture, condemnation. Condemnation is actually a legal term. If you think about a courtroom just for a few minutes, condemnation is a verdict given by a judge after sufficient evidence has been presented to him and then he renders his verdict guilty or innocent, right? Condemnation means guilty. And in the Greek, condemnation means a damnatory sentence. Game over. Condemnation, a damnatory sentence. That's it. You're guilty. That's all. So condemnation comes at the end of a trial. The verdict comes at the end of a trial, never at the beginning. Right? Is that right? At the end, let's go to Romans 8. Romans 8, let's look at verses 1 through 4, and we'll close out here. We won't get into the priestly ministry this week, but we will get into it next week, the Lord willing. But this will help you to begin to see this. Romans 8, verse number 1 says, There is therefore now what? No condemnation. To them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. He says there is now no condemnation. Now that phrase, there is now no, that now is a always present now. Which means there is no condemnation on me in the past after receiving Christ to those who are in Christ Jesus. In the past or in the present or in the future, 
This means I will never be condemned. This means you, if you are in Christ Jesus, you will never be condemned. I need somebody to help me act this out. I need somebody up here who's going to help me. Somebody come up here and, and help me out there. Thank you, James, because if you didn't come, I was going to call you. <laughs> Take a chair right there. Sit right there. chair and sit right here. Make sure you're on camera now. All right, good. All right, so evidence. Is, this is a courtroom setting, all right? In a courtroom setting, there is a judge. There are attorneys that argue. There is evidence presented. The verdict in the end will determine whether he goes free or not. Got me? Turn away a little bit so they can see your face. Come over here just a little bit more. All right, very good. Now, in this court case, now verse number one talks about a court case that has been completed. It says, there is now, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation, again, means a trial has been, it has been completed, started and completed. Condemnation means that evidence was presented. In the trial of James, when he came before the Lord, Evidence was presented. So most people think, well, God brought my uh, my sins. My sins were brought up before the Lord. No, that's actually not true because it's not his life that was examined. It's the life of Christ that is examined. Because he is in Christ Jesus, because he is in Christ, his life is not examined. It's the sacrifice of the lamb. So the judge looks over the life of Jesus Christ. Remember, he looks over the sacrifice. And because he finds no error in Christ, no wrong in Christ, no fault in Christ, Christ perfectly accepted. He's a perfect sacrifice. Then he comes back with the verdict and he points to James and says, no condemnation. He says, no guilt. I find no fault in him. You got it? This is happening not only to James, but for all those who are in Christ. Now, remember, it says, there is therefore now, 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 that is at this moment, he is not condemned. And in the future, he will never be condemned. There's a legal term that's called double, je double uh, jeopardy. That is, once you've been um, tried for one thing, you cannot be tried that way anymore. He's already been to court. Christ has already appeared for him. And the verdict on his behalf is not guilty. Forever no condemnation. Forever no guilt. Forever. Not only now, but all throughout eternity, he will never ever be judged never ever be condemned never ever found with any fault that's what Jesus did for him and that's what Jesus did for everyone that's in his body he says therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus the question is are you in Christ Jesus Oh, you're abiding under Christ. Stay right, there, stay right there just for a moment. You get a front row seat. But you say verse 1 still has a problem. Let's look at it. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. What most would think, hey, well, okay, okay, okay. I'm not condemned as long as I walk in the spirit but I don't walk in the flesh maybe this says if I walk in the flesh that is walk after law I'll be condemned but that's actually not what it's saying these are characteristics 
or what this person is like, what they that are in Christ Jesus, who they are like, what they are like. Those that are in Christ Jesus, this is what they're like. They they walk in the spirit and they do not walk after the flesh. It says who walk not after this is what they do. They walk not after flesh, but after the spirit, meaning his main goal as a born again believer is not to follow the devil, but to follow Christ. His prayer life, Holy Spirit, lead me. I want to follow you, Lord, not to be saved, but because he is, because God has changed his nature. And now he desires from the inside of his heart to please God. Is that the truth with you? On the inside of you, you, you want to please the Lord. You're following after the spirit of God. That's what you do. Stay right there for a little bit longer now. Verse 2, it says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now listen, a law cannot be broken. But a law can be superseded by another law. The law of gravity is in full effect. You... I would drop something, but I don't feel like it. You know what it means. Law of gravity. You drop, it's going to fall. But a higher law, there's a higher law that makes planes go in the air. It's called the law of thrust and lift. You go down, you see them flying, the, the thrusting and the lifting and the going up. There's a higher law that's taking place. Right? The law, that is, that is the law of Moses... The law of condemnation, the law of death, the ministry of death, so to speak, as word says, was over his life. When he did sin, when he sinned, he was condemned. But this condemnation was to lead him to Jesus. And now I need a Jesus. Somebody else bring a chair and come over here and be my Jesus. Well, not my Jesus, but to play Jesus for a moment. Hallelujah. Well, come on. Just come over here, Ken. Just come over and stand. Just come over and stand anyway. Praise the Lord. Network, you already know, Ken. You've seen these two men on the, on the, oh, well, God, praise the Lord. All right. So when he sees his sin, it leads him to Jesus. All right. Now hop out of your chair. All right. Now you saw your sin and it's leading him to the Lord. Hold your arms out, Lord. And the Lord receives him. Right? Now, for a time he was living, come on back over here, he was living under law. Okay? Law cannot be broken, it can, but it can be superseded. When he gave his life to Jesus, all right? When he gave his life to Jesus, the Bible says, for the law of the spirit. Another word for law is command. The command of the spirit, the Holy Spirit through Christ. This is what God did through his Christ. He commanded through Christ another law. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So the spirit through Christ, now once you point at him, he commanded that he be set free from the law of sin and death. So I want you to command, be free from sin and death. Be free from sin and death. Shoo. God commanded that over his life. No longer, the Lord says, first of all, you will never be condemned again. Boom. And then in the body of his son, he sent his spirit to command, to command, be free from sin and death. Now that has already happened. All right, sit back down over there. Praise God. So now, so now, yeah, bring your chair over here now. Now you're on the side of grace. You got what I'm saying? Now they're on the side of grace. Okay? Now his 
journey is to remain here in grace. Now I need a devil. Somebody gotta be a devil. All right, the devil wears Prada. All right, come on up. All right. So it's the devil's job at this point to unseat him from grace. Because the devil knows that even though he is saved, he still got some weaknesses in his flesh. Still got some weaknesses in his flesh. Now, Jesus is still with him. But every once in a while, that head turned. Are y'all with me? So when sin occurs, he is sinned. Then the devil comes and it's his job to unseat him with words of condemnation and guilt. He doesn't love, go ahead and tell him. He doesn't love you. He doesn't love you. He didn't save you. He didn't save you. You know you did that last night. Come on. You know it. Don't pray. Don't pray. Don't read your Bible. Come on. Get up. He doesn't love you. Come on. Do y'all hear that? The conversation that goes on in the spirit? Now, God is not condemning him. Because on the side of God, the father said, I will never condemn you again. No condemnation. But the devil comes. And if he listens to the enemy, he rises from the seat of grace. And now, not too, not, not far off the camera, not going back. And now he's over here feeling condemned. He's over there. He's feeling condemned. But what we should have done, come on over here, Jesus, because Jesus never left him. Wrap your hands around him like, like that. Yeah. So Jesus has never left him. So he's in the middle now. The enemy's trying to get in his head. Saying words like, you're no good and God doesn't hear you. Go ahead. He doesn't love you. He's not here for you. He's not here for you. That's what the Lord is saying. Go ahead. I'll never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. Remember what you did. Remember what you did. Oh, you're out there. Come on. Let's go clubbing. Remember? We did the clubbing. Don't pray. He doesn't know. So what he must do in the balance. Now, remember, the spirit doesn't convict you of sin, but it convicts you of righteousness. And because now he is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the spirit is speaking to him reminding him of who he is in Christ, reminding him of what Jesus has done for him. He must then confess out of his own mouth what the spirit is saying. He must begin to agree with the spirit. Go ahead and agree with the spirit. I am the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Keep on saying. I am the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I am the righteousness of Jesus Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Yes, yes, yes. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. So he's agreeing with the spirit. And what happened to the power of the enemy? It's broken. It's broken. It's broken. It's broken. Give them a hand. Y'all did a great job. Good job. Thank you. Uh, online community, you can catch that movie on Netflix. Not, 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 not. But I want you to see what has, what has already happened for you. This is not something that will happen. You've already been to court. Remember, condemnation is past tense. It has already happened. Evidence has already been weighed. And over your life, the Lord says, no condemnation, no guilt. And when we be begin to believe that, we begin to shake off the lies of the enemy that says, oh, I'm no good. And God doesn't love me and God doesn't like me. Uh, I'm, and break off all the worry and the fear and the and the accusation. We begin to break it off and realize that's not the Holy Ghost convicting me. That's that old devil. 
or condemning me. That's that devil condemning me. No. We have to agree with the spirit of God as he convicts us of righteousness. Are you with me? There's a higher law. So not only did the father say over you, no condemnation, you are free from guilt, forever forgiven. Forever forgiven. And then he commands through the spirit, the law of the spirit commands that you be set free from the law of sin and death. Those chains broke, broke off you immediately. What the devil's depending on is your ignorance. He's depending on you to be ignorant of that fact. And he continues to try to deceive you into thinking that you are still bound when God has already commanded it. Let's look at two more verses and we're going to close out. Two more verses. Verse three, it says, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin did what? Condemned sin in the flesh. Remember, the word condemned means a damnatory sentence. Game over. One, God said over you, no condemnation. Two, he commanded through his spirit, set him free, set her free from sin and death. The chains broke. Now you stand in the presence of God. And then the Lord, the Father said, this is how he did it. When Jesus became our sin offering, he took upon your sin and my sin. The Father said, now I got sin. It's trapped in the body of Jesus. Then while all the sin was there, your sin and my sin was in him. God said he condemned it in his flesh. He, de he declared a damnatory sentence. You are destroyed. Guilty. He wasn't talking to Jesus. He was talking to the sin. It says again, uh, verse, it says, God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, because of sin, condemned sin in the flesh. He got it, the Lord got it by the throat. He condemned it. You got me? Verse 4, that the, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, our characteristics again. God did this for you. He did this for you. Why did he do it? So that you could really know him. We've said before, if you, if you have a friend, you know, and uh, they owe you money, and they've been owing you money for quite some time, when they come around you, they're like, oh, how you doing? How you you can't really have that intimacy there, that connection there. When you know they've, they've done you wrong or you know you've done them wrong, it just, you can't really, can't really flow together. Or you're in a relationship with somebody and you um, maybe even like a, a husband-wife relationship and you know, you, you know you know you're not flowing together like you should be flowing together. And it's, 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 you know you're not connected anymore. You're walking Walk around on, on eggshells. Don't want to, ooh, don't want to mess her up. I don't want to make her upset. I don't want to make him upset. I don't want to make them, you know, maybe mom and daddy don't want to make them upset. Don't, don't say none. Don't say none. Don't want to make them upset. Walk around on eggshells. You can't have intimacy like that. You're forever trying, forever trying to get back in their favor, forever trying to do things right. God said, I don't want that between you and I. He says, so I'll send my son and my son will take your sins into himself. He'll take the father condemned sin in the flesh. He removed the sin completely from your life. Where did the sin go? It went into the body of Jesus. And then while it was in the body of Jesus, God dealt with the sin. And you and I go free. And now in essence, what the father has also done he robbed Satan of his power over you. Because remember that the devil used condemnation to control you. All he got to do is sit back and wait for you to sin. And then he begins to hurl accusations at you. 
Oh, you ain't nothing. You did it again. You're not saved. You're not this. God doesn't hear you. God doesn't like you. He's not going to bless you. You're under a curse. You're under a curse. You're under a curse. He condemns you. The devil condemns you. Satan condemns you in an effort to make you docile and impotent, controllable. And when you're in that condition, you're not going to tell nobody about Jesus. You're not going to even want to pray. You're not going to even want to go to church. He wants to control you. He doesn't want you to remember or to know. Wait, I'm not condemned. Holy Spirit, I hear you. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am redeemed. I'm the beloved of God. I am seated with Christ in heavenly places at the right hand of God. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am holy. I am a king and I am, I am a priest. I've been given power and authority over the devil. I can bind, I can loose. I am free through Christ Jesus. I will never be condemned. Then you begin to rise above. You are forever forgiven forever justified forever you will not be condemned if you are in Christ Jesus this is already the truth you must believe it and accept it father we thank you in Jesus name for the word you gave us today Lord I pray that by your spirit you would continue to lead your people into the truth of what you have spoken father i pray today that burdens will be removed burdens have been removed and captives have been set free lord i pray that those who in spiritual blindness that they can now see that the mute can now hear that the dead spiritually dead physically dead be raised that the broken heart would be mended in the sick and, and the sick be healed and every captive be set free father i pray today in jesus name that we would not go back and forth between law and grace, but we, our faith would rest in Jesus and in Jesus alone. On Christ the solid rock we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. We receive the ministry of Jesus as Savior, as Lord, as High Priest, as Friend, and as Husband. Lord, come into our lives. Live big in us. We repent of the sins. We thank you, Lord, for forgiving us, for making us whole and pure in you. We give you praise today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Did not our hearts burn with the word of God? Praise the Lord. Online community, we love you, and we'll see you next time. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.